So I am a mom of three boys, and I'm a wife of someone who every time uh, they take a self-evaluation, it comes back saying something like, need significant time in nature. And I love nature. Uh, my boys love nature. My husband loves nature. I love nature. I, I truly do. But, um, but my family, like, love, loves nature. And they want to live outside forever. And if I'm honest with you, I, I don't really want to. I don't really want to live outside forever. I love being outside, but I don't want to live there. And, and so um, they love to go camping. And I go camping because I love camping all day long. And then I love my family enough to spend the night in the woods. And so uh, once we were camping in Townsend and this giant storm came in the middle of the night and uh, it was raining buckets, uh, a gully wash is what my father-in-law would have called it. And so it was raining uh, buckets and we're all five staying in this tent and I wake up and I hear this little tiny voice. It's my youngest son, Huck, who I, I was trying to remember at the time. He, I can't remember how old he was so little, less than two. Um, and I wake up to hear him and he's saying, Mama, water. Mama, water. And so I like search around for a flashlight and I find one and shine it on him. And I realize that Huck is drenched, like head to toe, covered in water. And I shine the flashlight down on his little crib and realize that it's like a pool uh, in the bottom of it. And as I start to move the flashlight around the tent, um, I see that Camel and Graham, who luckily were sleeping on pool floats because we're way too cheap to buy first graders a sleeping pad. And so they're sleeping on pool floats and I look around and I see the floats like moving, like they are floating in literal water that's on the floor of our tent. And then I shine the light up uh, and I see that the whole tent has caved in. It's like this big bowl full of water that's just dripping constantly everywhere. And so I wake up Daniel, who's very hard to wake up uh, sometimes in the middle of the night. And I wake up Daniel, and I'm actually not 100% sure that he woke up, but um, he sits up, and I'm like, the tent is flooded, and our kids are soaked, and I'm frantically trying to explain everything to him. And all he does, he says nothing. He just leaves the tent and comes back a few, I don't know, seconds or minutes later with a fishing pole. And I'm like, what in the actual world is happening? Um, and so I remember him, uh, he sits, he comes back in the tent and he sits down and then he pushes up the ceiling of the tent. Um, and as he does this like uh, waterfall, I mean, all the water just swooshes over the tent. And then he takes the fishing pole and he props it up in the middle of the tent. And then he looks me in the eyes and says, and I'm quoting him here, that'll fix it. And uh, just a spoiler alert, uh, that didn't fix it. Uh, also, second spoiler alert, I did not stay in the tent. I got in my car with my kids and drove home to a very warm house and a very dry bed. Uh, our text today <laughs> um, is Jesus, and he's closing out the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're new with us this morning, we uh, have spent the last few months here as a church in the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. And, and Jesus, he ends the whole thing with this kind of ominous sounding parable or, or story of a house that is held up by a fishing pole, kind of. He calls it a house built on sand and one built on rock, but in my mind, uh, there's a fishing pole right in the middle holding the whole thing up. Um, and I've heard this story preached from the Bible uh, pretty terribly a lot. Like the parable, it sounds ominous when you read it, but sometimes when it comes out of the mouth of a preacher, it sounds so threatening. Sort of like a, if you hold your tent up with a fishing pole, the whole thing's going to cave in and you're going to drown forever. 
And I really don't think that's the way Jesus is talking at all here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, mainly because Jesus isn't ever threatening. Jesus uh, truly never threatens anyone to do anything. Jesus, he ends his sermon uh, in a super similar way to how he started it. He ends the story with an invitation into the good life, with an invitation into life in the kingdom, life full of dignity and hope and healing and rescue. This story, it isn't a threat, it's an invitation. It's a reminder to everyone who listened uh, that the words of the last three chapters, the words of the whole Sermon on the Mount, the words about anger and money and prayer and worry, they're not just uh, good tips that we're supposed to sprinkle into our lives, like uh, five steps to be a better Christian. And they're not uh, threats against us. These words, they are so much deeper and so much more exciting and adventurous and applicable and freeing and brilliant and beautiful than just good tips on 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 the good life Uh, in the story of the two houses Jesus is reminding us that the words of this sermon aren't just words that we're supposed to read and enjoy but they're words that we're meant to live by words to build a life on foundational words words that invite us into the freedom of life the way it was meant to be Life is a citizen in the kingdom of God. These are words that uh, will grow us in strength and grow us in freedom and protect us when it storms. They aren't chicken soup for the Christian soul. They are foundation. They are words that map out a path of freedom and words that invite us into hope. And I've been thinking over the last few days that um, few things kill hope quite like rain, right? Uh, uh, we were doing really good in this quarantine. Like I felt like our family was really almost enjoying it at times. And then, uh, not at times we were enjoying it plenty, but, um, then Sunday happened and Sunday it started raining and that was fine. And then Monday it rained and, and that was fine. And then by Tuesday, it's still raining and we were completely sick of each other and so sick of our house and so sick of our food and short-tempered and depressed and stuck and feeling so hopeless about the state of things in our world. Were you? Tuesday was not a thriving day in the Mizell house. In this story, Jesus, he says that the rain falls on everyone, that it falls on all of us. And rain, it has this way of peeling off the outer layers and revealing what is truly inside us. Rain, it exposes our unsteady. It reveals our fears and our anxieties like little maps leading us to the places in our lives that we have built our lives on the sand. Where we have built our house on things like our identity or our talents or our job or our finances or our health or our ability to hold everything together all on our own and then the storms come and it's in the storms that we find out what we believe in most by seeing what we're most afraid of losing storms and viruses they don't really care about your age they don't care what your job is or uh, even how healthy you are sometimes they don't care how big of a 401k you have or if you're married or single or what your religious affiliation is they come indiscriminately into our lives Jesus, he he doesn't say if you build your house right that the storms won't come. What he says in the story is is that that the way we build our lives matters because the storms will always come. They will. They will come. 
Storms, they will come. Viruses will come. Unemployment and fear and pandemic. These things happen sometimes. They come like thieves in the night, stealing our joy and threatening what is most precious to us in the world. Storms and viruses, they whisper to us that we are not safe. That that mother bird that we talked about last week with her arms outstretched over her has flown the coop. Storms, they isolate us and they threaten us and they pound loudly, shaking the windows and the walls of our houses and of our lives. Storms, they threaten to snap the fishing pole that uh, we didn't even realize our whole house was built on. But Jesus, he tells another story of what can happen to a house in a storm. He says that not every house is so threatened or is threatened so easily by the wind and by the rain. The core message of the Sermon on the Mount is how deep and how wide God's love and desire is for us. How he longs for us to live free. And here at the end of the story, uh, end of the sermon, Jesus tells the story of a house that is built on that kind of wild and fierce love. A house that uh, is built on him that we don't have to build entirely on our own. In fact, Jesus says over and over that the good life is not something that we are ever meant to build just on our own. It was never his intention that we hold everything together all by ourselves. The good life uh, is one built on Jesus, on his life and his words and his presence and his hope. It's a life built on faith in the one who out of a wild and mighty love lay down his life as a foundation for ours. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who is a German theologian and was well acquainted with storms, uh, says that faith is being so captivated by the gaze of Jesus that we base our lives on a holy and eternal foundation completely outside of ourselves. The story of the Sermon on the Mount is that when we build our lives on the loving gaze of Jesus, we will get stronger and stronger and stronger and more free and more free and more free. And I've had this thought, though, a couple of times this week as I've poured over this story in light of our global situation. And there's this part of me that keeps asking this question, like, so what? Why does it matter? If the storms come and the virus comes, no matter what your house is built on, then why does it matter if it's built on sand? And why does it matter if it's built on rock? And this is the best answer I could come up with. One way of building, building on sand, it seems to lead uh, to the tight and anxious grip of fear, crumbling all alone when it loses control. And the other way of building, uh, on the life of Jesus, it has accepted the invitation to willingly set aside control in exchange for freedom, in exchange for the soft heart of the kingdom of God that cannot crumble in the middle of a storm. And I don't know about you, but I want freedom. I want the strength of a soft heart in the middle of the madness. So in the middle of our storms, uh, we long for the good life. We choose to build our houses on the rock and we cry out in the name of Jesus, sometimes in just a whisper, but we say the name of Jesus day after day in the middle of our storm. And as we whisper his name, our life is built on him. And as we whisper his name, our hearts will get softer. And as we whisper his name, hope finds its way into the deepest places of our lives. And faith and love, they seep into our most secret and vulnerable spots. And our hearts, 
our soft hearts, they don't crumble. And so uh, the question today is not whether or not you're building a house. We're all building houses. We're all building lives. The question is, what kind of house do you want to build? Uh, my favorite poet in all the world is named Mary Oliver. And um, in her poem, The Summer Day, she says this about the houses we're all building. She says, tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything at last die and too soon? Tell me what it is that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. What kind of house do you want to build? What do you want to do with your one wild and precious life? Uh, every week at Springbrook, we take a moment uh, that we call Selah. And it's just a pause. It's a word we stole from the Psalms. And um, essentially the way it works in the Psalms is, is there will be like a, a verse or a stanza. And, and then you'll see the word Selah. And it, it, it kind of means don't move on too quickly from here. Let's sit here before we move on. And, and we want to keep doing that as a rhythm in our services. And so we're going to take a few minutes uh, and just be quiet and just sit. That may be tricky with your kids, but, you know, uh, or your dogs or your roommate or whoever, but but we're going to try. We're going to try uh, to be quiet. There are going to be some verses on the screen. Um, and, and sometimes I get really bossy and I ask you a question during Selah, and I want to do that today. Um, if you're wondering, which house am I building? Uh, I think I'm building it on the rock, or I think I'm building it on the sand. If, if you're wondering which which house you're building, uh, one on sand and one on rock, I think that one, one of the best ways that we can answer this question, and it's a question that... Um, kicked me in the gut this week. Um, but it's this, a great way to know what kind of life you're building is uh, how soft is your heart in the middle of the storm? How soft is your heart in the middle of this storm? Let's pray together and then we'll be quiet for a second. God, you are the Lord of power and of compassion. And we are so overwhelmed in these times with fear. We fear that we won't have enough of whatever it is that we need to survive. We fear the storm. We fear the virus. We fear the impact of it all over our world and country and communities. All around us is anxiety about living. And we draw ourselves, and we draw into ourselves as uh, a response to the needs that are constantly flying all around us. We want someone else to take care of those in need. We want someone else to fight our battles for us. We want someone else to stop the darkness. Some days um, it feels like we're drowning in the storm. But you, O oh Lord, are the bright light, the power to heal, the reassuring hand of comfort and strength. You offer us a foundation, healing love, strength for our exhausted souls, courage to face whatever comes, and the full confidence that you are with us in all these times. Forgive our weakness and our little faith. Fill us with strength and fill us with hope and fill us with love, and will you give us the courage to build our lives day after day on your foundation? Will you give us soft hearts in the middle of the madness? Amen.